Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. He is risen. That's good. That's exciting. That's exciting news. I'm just looking forward to sharing this morning for a few moments just some things the Lord put on my heart. You know, as a pastor, and as you, year after year, you go through different seasons and times, and there's certain focus points that you have as a church, and Easter being one of them, of course. And it's so easy, and, and maybe some pastors do this, is just to go dig up a message that's already prepared for Easter, and you deliver that. And I always feel like it's so important to seek the Lord and say, God, what is it you have on your heart for this congregation City Life Church this morning, and so I've done that, and I feel like the Lord's given me a word for this house this morning, certainly right up the alley and in line with the Resurrection Sunday, but I want to tap into something I haven't done before or spoken here before. Many of you have probably read this in the Bible or studied or looked at it, but we're going to go to that here in a moment. Before that, I was just going to mention, I had the privilege and the honor this last week, last Wednesday to do an invocation up at the law enforcement, state of Washington law enforcement graduation that they had up in Burien, and I was invited to come and do that, and and I did, and it's very interesting, because right before I went up to say a couple things and do the invocation, I was informed, oh, by the way, you can't use the name of Jesus, which I know we say, oh, whatever, but you know what, that doesn't change the power of God in any moment, and so it didn't discourage me. I thought, well, that's fine, and it caused me to think a little about that, you know, why is that? You know why it is? Because that's the only power that supersedes and is above any other God or any other power out there, and people are fearful of that. If I was coming as some other religion or some other thing, they wouldn't have said anything about, don't, please don't use your God's name, because there's no power there, so it doesn't matter. It's not effective. And the interesting thing, I got up there and I prayed what God put on my heart to pray, and I sensed and felt this was a God thing, this was a God moment. And I even prayed against the darknesses of evil and the peace of God and all of the things that you can pray. There's a lot of things you can pray, by the way, that are good prayers. But afterwards, I had somebody come up to me that has attended many of these functions and said, you know what, that was the best prayer I've ever heard prayed at any of these events ever. And I said, you know what, God, that's you. Because, you know, you could be discouraged and like, oh, I can't do this, whatever. But God's like, hey, take the lid off. It's okay. He's there. He's powerful. So, you know, that's the goodness of God. And he's at work. This morning, my message title is The Power of Touch. The Power of Touch. Lord, I pray as we get into this this morning, we're going to sense your power. We already do. We sense your presence here this morning, God. And there's something about touch, whether it's we're touching you or you're touching us. But God, we're going to see this morning there's power in that. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here to celebrate that you indeed are risen. And we thank you for that. I pray a blessing on every person here today. And we're asking for a continuation of the magnification of your glory, your kingdom, here on earth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
Our text today is going to be out of John chapter 20, if you want to look at that. John chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 19. And this is Resurrection Sunday, but it's later in the day on Resurrection Sunday. And I'm going to jump right to this area and this time frame and what is happening in this moment. So here, verse 19, it says, That Sunday evening, right after the resurrection, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. It's interesting. So the disciples were fearful, and Mary Magdalene had told them already of Jesus' resurrection, but they struggled in what to believe. There had to have been something going on in them that they were fearful. They locked the doors. They had the doors locked. They were, talk- they were probably talking about Jesus' resurrection. They may have been talking about, do we scatter? Do we get out of this place? Because it's possible we could be prosecuted for stealing Jesus' body because that's kind of the rumor going around. And so they're, they're all in fear. Suddenly, suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. You know, Jesus walked on water in a human body. Now he appears in a room that the doors are locked in a human body. He's more than capable of doing anything he wants whenever he wants. But he comes on scene, just like he did when he walked in the water, he called for peace. Here he comes in, he's like, hey, I'm bringing you peace. They were fearful. He brings them peace. You know, it's a comfort to know that Christ's disciples, no matter what the situation is, that he was able to bring his presence and bring it wherever, even behind locked doors. That was the power of Jesus. You know, it's good to know that his presence finds us, yeah. no matter where we are, yeah. no matter where we, are, we think we're hidden from, but his presence will find us, yeah. and he loves to talk to us. I want to give you four benefits of his resurrection this morning, and we're going to go through these. And the first one, which we just read about, the first thing is Jesus gives us peace. He gives us peace, and this is so important. John 14, 27 says this. I am leaving you, Jesus is saying this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Yes. And that the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Yes. So don't be troubled or afraid. He's speaking in advance. Yes. The mood in that room changed quickly from fear to peace. Yes. It quickly changed. The environment changed. The environment for you and I can change when we allow God to bring his peace in our situation. Amen. The second thing is Jesus gave proof of his resurrection. Verse 20, as he, Jesus, spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Wow, they just saw a revelation of something. It started to click. This is Jesus. This is the one who is resurrected from the dead. He shows us, he gives us proof. He gave them proof by showing the wounds. This is the infallible proof of Christ's resurrection right here, that we see this, that him showing himself alive and showing the wounds. That was proof of his resurrection for each one of us. Those marks of the wounds go very deep. The interesting thing was he was not in any pain. You and I would have been in a lot of pain. We wouldn't have been up running around that afternoon after suffering what he suffered without being in some sort of pain. He did that to prove the truth to us that he is Jesus Christ and he was risen from the dead. That was the proof. Number three, Jesus commissioned us. He sent his disciples, he authorized them, gave them a divine charge, 
and it gave him a divine power. Because we see this in verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Yes. Sent to preach the good news. Yes. He said that to the disciples, and you can rubber stamp that for us. We've been sent to preach the good news. There is good news. Number four, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. This is incredible. Second to his death and resurrection, I believe this is probably the most powerful move by Jesus. It's incredible when we dive into this and take a look at this. I want to read you a couple verses in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. If you're looking for truth today, you don't need to go any farther than the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth, and he is announced coming. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. I tell you what, when you become a believer, what a powerful, incredible benefit that comes. But you know him because, listen to this, he lives, he's telling them right now, this was prior to his resurrection, he lives with you now, and later, after the resurrection, he will live in you, in you. Today, if you're a believer, he's living in you. And today, if you're not sure if you're a believer or not, you can be. And he will immediately come and reside in you. That's the good news. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and I will remind you of everything I have told you. He is our Advocate. He's coming to be on your side, to go before you, to look after you, to do what needs to be done in your life. This is a defining moment in history. The Holy Spirit. So here we see it. This is where we need a drum roll. In verse 22, then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what would happen in that room? What a moment. Something that's been anticipated and he talked about and the power of the Holy Spirit is released. There's a group of men who just bore witness to Jesus and now received the power that comes with Jesus through the addition of the Holy Spirit that came upon them. I believe this is the new creation of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. How many of you know you're just dust? All we are is dust in the wind. <laughs> it's a song. I can't sing. I'm not going to sing it. Thank you for the confidence, honey. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Now, our spirit comes alive. Because he breathed the breath of the Holy Spirit. We have now been commissioned, qualified, and empowered as ambassadors of the good news. We are carriers of miracles now. We have been given an assignment to change the world. The word comes from the spirit. The spirit is in the Word. The Word is in the Spirit. They're together. They're one. The Word became flesh in the form of Jesus, 
and he dwelt among us, and now we're receiving the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power, can you say power? Yeah. power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yes. Yeah, that's what happened. The Holy Spirit comes, we receive power. We have to live in that power. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Yeah. All right, let's look, jump to verse 24 in John 20. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. That's what the other disciples told Thomas. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand in the wound in his side. He wasn't convinced. Just because his buddies said something, he still, there was something there. We don't know why Thomas missed out. We really don't. The Bible specifically doesn't say that. But there was something distracting him from the miracle of his master. Something was distracting him, keeping him away. He had isolated himself. He had, for whatever reason, removed himself from that, which kept him from experiencing that moment that his buddies experienced when the Holy Spirit breathed on them. Thomas was a bit cynical at times, and he doubted. He was a doubter. He doubted. We could see that. There was doubt in his mind. And it probably cost him the opportunity to be in the middle of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That moment. His doubt. His removing. His isolating himself. Taking him out. Questioning. Is this really? Is this Jesus real? I mean, I, we must not be distracted by circumstances in our life that would doubt the reality of God. Of Jesus Christ. Because those things come into our life that cause us to doubt at times. But that's what happened to Thomas, and he missed a moment. But because of the goodness of our Lord and Savior, if we look at verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. This was the second time now they got together. And this time, Thomas was with them. <laughs> He's like, I'm not missing this again. Let's get together. So he was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Two things here to look at in this verse. Somehow the disciples reverted back to fear a little bit. Why? Because the doors were locked. They still weren't comfortable with what may happen. Don't revert back to fear. Don't revert back to fear. Peace was already declared to the disciples. Jesus did it already the first time. He declared it. It was done. But the doors were locked again. And number two, when we have lost an opportunity because of circumstances or challenges that we're faced with, we should put it behind us and tenaciously lay hold of the next opportunity that we have to be in his presence. Yeah. Don't feel guilt. Don't feel all the shame. Don't feel all that. Just say, you know what? Yeah, I might have missed that opportunity, but God gives us another opportunity. So he gives Thomas this opportunity. He comes in, and you know what? Thomas's buddies had yet still were struggling with some fear. So Jesus once again appeared, boom, locked doors, and he's there again. And what does he do again? He calls for peace again because he recognizes there's still a little bit of fear going on. So he comes in, he reinforces, because that has to happen, right? Jeff was just talking about. He's got to reinforce back to us because we get sidetracked or something derails us. A challenge comes in our life and we sort of go off this place of isolation or I'm just not sure about this. And, and he comes back and he goes, come on, come on, I've overcome fear. Come on, I bring my peace. 
It's waiting for you. Fortunately, the presence of fear can be easily overcome by peace, by the giver of peace. He comes and he just wipes that fear out. And as many times as we feel fear, we need to allow for him to come in and say peace. Let him come and say peace. Don't ever lock him out of an opportunity to bring peace in your life. Verse 27, Jesus said to Thomas, because what was it Thomas told his buddies? Unless I can see and touch, I'm not going to believe it. Jesus said, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God. Boom. The light goes on for Thomas. No more doubt. No more wonder. No more fear. All of a sudden, he's all in. Now, you can say, well, he shouldn't have had to have to go that far to where he had to actually touch and do whatever. You know what? Sometimes we need those things. I'm telling you, there's been times in my life where I told God, you have to hit me 20 times with a two by four, or I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to believe that. Or I don't know if I'm going there. I don't know if that word's true. And guess what? He does it. Yeah. <laughs> He's good about it. He's good about bringing us to that place of reality and truth. And that's what I love about him. I remember in one of the times, and my wife, after I was just like getting hit by two by four, not in a painful way, but a reminder, God's saying this, 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 and this. And finally, my wife, after several weeks, she goes, Steve, is your fleece wet enough yet? And I said, maybe. Yes, of course. Thank you, Lord. But that sometimes that hasn't happened. So don't criticize Thomas. He missed, maybe initially missed an opportunity, but God saw to it that he came and he gave him an experience that he needed to have. And whatever experience you need to have, allow him to provide that for you, to create the truth that you need to see. We've never physically seen Jesus, but we just read about people who did. We read their story, their accounts of his miraculous resurrection. There's a huge advantage when we accept Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. And then, oh, by the way, the bonus points that come when we receive the Holy Spirit Because that's amazing when that comes, the indwelling of the advocate, the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us. Verse 30, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's why I say there's, a, there's power in that name, and nobody can shut that power down. There's nothing in the entire universe. There's no God that's anybody else's God. There's nothing that can stop the power of the name of Jesus. The third time Jesus met with his disciples, it was an exciting day. Some of them were out fishing, and he just comes wandering out and builds a fire and starts cooking breakfast. Calls them in. He's going to feed them breakfast. That's pretty cool. you got fish going bread. Hey, Peter, bring some of those fish in. You know, this is my thought about Peter, because there was still probably the challenges there in the mind of Peter, because what did he do? He denied Christ. So he has yet to kind of reconcile this thing up. But I'm thinking Peter is already thinking ahead, because he's already figured, man, I was, that was dumb. But what does he do? You know, Jesus said, hey, bring a few fish up here. There's only seven of them there plus Jesus, so he could have probably brought in seven fish. 
What did he do? The Bible says he drug in 153 fish up to the shore. It's like, I'm bringing it all to you, Jesus. I trust you. I will not deny you again your power, whatever it is. That's kind of the opening of the door here for this. And Jesus and Peter, we know, go on in this story. Jesus just comes to open the door to, to bring healing in the relationship. Jesus was never bitter at Peter, you know. He just like, hey, come on. Do you love me? Do you love me? Yeah, that's all I need. You know, hey, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. And so they made it. The power of touch. Thomas, I just need to touch. There's something in the power of touch. Jesus healed the man with leprosy. Large crowds were coming around and, Jesus, if you can heal me make, and make me clean. And what it says is that Jesus reached out and touched him. Yes. Boom, he touched him. Said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy was gone. There's another one where Jesus arrives at, at Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. And it says, when Jesus touched her, he just touched her. The fever was gone. Yes. The power of touch. We know about the woman who was in the crowd, the disciples, everybody was crowded around Jesus and she had been bleeding for 12 years and the doctors couldn't figure it out. She had no money. She spent all her money. And she's thinking in her mind, if I can just touch him, if I could just touch him. And what happens, people are pushing around him and this crowd and everything, and she just reaches up and she touches his garment. And the interesting thing is Jesus stops. And he said, who touched me? The disciples are like, you're crazy. Everybody's touching you. No, no. Who touched me? He felt the power come out of his body and flow to a situation because of touch. Some of us here today, we need a fresh touch. But you know what? He wants to give you that touch today. He wants to touch you in a miraculous way this morning. The last portion of scripture I want to read out of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. So let everyone in Israel, verse 36, know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brother, what should we do? Peter replied, this is for all of us, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's for some people here today. He wants to pour out upon you fresh touch on your life. He wants to touch your situation, what challenge you're faced with. Do you want Jesus to touch your life today? That's the question. Do you want a touch from the greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth who is now interceding for you and I, sitting at the right hand of his Father? The power of his touch is available for each one of us today. It is available. Like Thomas, you may be looking for proof, and that's okay. But I'm telling you, if you step out and you say, God, I I don't understand all this stuff, but I'm in favor of you proving to to me your power, the power of your Holy Spirit. I believe he does it. I've seen it over and over and over again. And it's simply believing and trusting in an incredible Savior. I'm telling you that Jesus wants to deliver on that word today. He wants to touch you today. He wants to touch your situation, your circumstance, whatever it is. 
today is your day. And we're going to sing this song as we close. And like each one to stand this morning. If you're here today, you may be a believer, you may not be. It doesn't matter. But you just say, I need a fresh touch. I need maybe a little more proof in my life. I need something that settles it for me. The power of a touch of the Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe in your life today. And if that's you today as we sing this song, I just ask of you come up to the front here and we'd love to pray for you. I'm not trying to make it uncomfortable for anybody this morning. But being a Christian can be a little uncomfortable sometimes. So the reality is we're going to suffer as believers, as Jesus said. We join him in his sufferings. But I'm telling you, that the only way to really know if you're putting it on the line and you really sincerely say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I'm not here to sugarcoat anything to tell you that all of a sudden your problems go away and everything becomes good for you. But I am here to tell you that he's jumping in your boat with you. And he's going to bring peace and he's going to carry you and he's going to do everything that you need him to do. You may even doubt how he's doing or why he's doing it, but I'm telling you, I promise you the truth of the word is he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Let's sing this song and then I'd invite you to come and we would love to pray for you this morning. It's his resurrection power is here for every one of us this morning. Amen. It's so good today. Peace be in the house of the Lord. What I want us to do in closing, I'm going to say he is risen. Then you're going to respond to me saying he is risen indeed. Okay? <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. Man, God bless you. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 